Welcome to episode 66 of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today we are bringing you the fourth week of the fall 2018 season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and podcast feed if you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, since we will spoil everything. My name is Leo, and now that Netflix is making an altered carbon anime, I just can't wait for the chilling adventures of Sabrina anime. Also with me are Become <laughs> and Cat. Hey! That's, that's the best you got, Become. Hi, I mean, it's topical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figured you'd be really into the chilling adventures of Sabrina. It, look, it looks cool. It looks I, like it's up your alley. I did check out, I think, the first episode, and it's kind of already dropped it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's whatever. It's whatever. I know Kat watched all Altered Carbon, like, at the gym on her iPad or something. Yeah, I did. It was interesting. I, only watched I, the, I think I only watched, like, the first two episodes and never watched it again. Oh, really? Uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty good. I, I wouldn't say it's amazing. It's no, like, Breaking Bad or anything, but it's good. Yeah. I'm more interested in the uh, Pacific Rim anime they're going to make. So I guess that's technically maybe not an anime. It's an animated series, but I don't know if it's actually an anime. Um, I'm interested in the the series Yasuke from the guy who made the Boondocks, LaShawn Thomas. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, I'm hyped for that, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Altered Carmen is like a good is a good like source material for an anime project, like cyberpunk cool stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yes, please. It'll be interesting to see the differences and the similarities between live action and yeah. anime. Yeah. Cool. All right, but yeah, let's get started. We have current anime to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into those. So this is week four, and we're starting with Double Decker, Doug and Carol, week four, episode four. So. This is called Derek Returns, but for how long? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this episode opens up and it kind of just like pulls the rug out from out of the audience because it's like, oh, Derek, Doug's old partner is back. He's not dead. And it's like they'd given us every hint that he had died in action up to this point. And like Kirill's just like, what do you mean he's not dead? Like, and he thinks back and he's like, oh, they never actually said he was right, dead. Right. <laughs> um, and so he was actually just in the hospital uh, and he gets out and he just goes to open up a bar because apparently it's always been his dream to become a bartender. And that's really all there is. The narrator's like, yep, that's the whole story. And that's, that's Derek's story. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so... Instead, this uh, episode kind of focuses on some of Travis's angels, as they call them, like Charlie's angels, of <laughs> the women of 7-0. So, yeah, Travis jokes that he's gotten a request from above, quote unquote, <laughs> to see more of Pink and Rookie. Uh, I think we know where that came from. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Leo made that request. I did. <laughs> yeah. So I also Sophie, requested that Deanna oh does uh, rock climbing in her off time. <laughs> oh yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah she does. Cool. Except whoever drew her roped in apparently wants her to die. <laughs> oh really? Is that just like not going to work at all? <laughs> no, she's yeah. She's not even it, the rope's not even clipped into the wall. She's tied to something up top. All it's going to do is guide her in a straighter path to the bottom when she falls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't damn. know who. Who did that, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if so, it was um, right, you would see, like, actually two ropes there. It'd be one rope, but oh. it would be doubled as, as it looped from the top back down. Well, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, Sophie has apparently used her feminine wiles to get them a tip on this host club that is selling Anthem. Uh, a bunch of handsome boys selling Anthem. So... 
The only problem is the case is technically under the jurisdiction of the drug control division because they don't have proof that Anthem is being sold yet. They just have a tip. So any drug cases are supposed to go through this other division. And so they need to kind of be careful not to step on their toes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to the club. Deanna goes with Kay. Uh, and Deanna oh. gets very into character at this host club. <laughs> Like she's awesome. This is this this is what Cat would act like at a host club. I yeah, think she would, she would definitely. Yeah, that's what I would do. Let's, let's not taking lie. company money and pouring champagne bottles okay. on top, like shirtless is boys. Is it a shirtless yeah. boy or is he just straight up naked in that giant champagne glass? I think it's left to your imagination. I think he's a naked in a, that champagne glass. Because <laughs> I mean, like he okay, yeah. this host like climbs into this big ass champagne like bathtub basically that is a champagne glass and she's just like pouring it over him and i'm like that dude's naked like yeah (laughs) this is also like what a terrible waste of champagne (laughs) i mean come on yeah yeah come on whatever it's fun um so they attract the because she's acting all like a big honcho. Like they attract the attention of this guy they'd been tipped off about. Like they think is the anthem dealer, and he takes them to a back alley to offer them drugs. And this is where Deanna kind of gets ahead of herself because she assumes he has anthem on him, and he doesn't. Like she like pats him down and finds that it's just normal everyday drugs, you know. Uh, and still, Deanna like wants to arrest him, but Kay is like, "No, he's not in our jurisdiction. We can't arrest him." And Kay kind of gets distracted. She's holding the gun on him, and he like knocks it away. And then he runs around the corner. And then Kay is just telling Deanna, "Like, we can't shoot here. Like, if we shoot, like, it's out of our jurisdiction. We get in like huge trouble." So the guy gets away, and like Deanna's like kind of bitchy about it. She like really lays into Kay for letting this guy get away. But they're kind of both equally at fault, like. Don't you think? Because, like, Deanna is the one who acted too quickly and lost her cool, basically. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they're both at yeah, fault it's both. there. Um, no teamwork. So, yeah, Kay... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Kay heads to the bar with Kirill and the others, which was supposed to be for Kirill's welcome party. But Deanna's not there, so instead it just turns into, like, Kay drunkenly complaining about Deanna. And I say drunkenly... Because, like, the show makes it very clear, like, she's drinking non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Like, it's, it says it twice. It's, like, non-alcoholic beer. And then it's, like, there's no alcohol in her beer. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, like, reinforce the fact that she's just acting drunk as, like, an excuse to complain. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just upset because Diana clearly doesn't want to partner. And even when she does, like, work with her, she has, like, a completely different style from her. Uh, and Doug just tries to explain, like, Deanna, like, has grown up, like, in a rough way. Like, she's been made it through a lot of rough times, and this is the best way she's found to survive. So maybe you can learn something from her, basically. Meanwhile, Deanna goes to a different bar, to Derek's bar, Doug's old partner. And he tries to explain, like, the double-decker system and what's beneficial about it. He's like, well, you don't have to do as much work, and you get all the credit for anything your partner does as well. And they back you up. And he thinks, like, a prissy little schoolgirl, which is what Deanna calls Kay, is, like, exactly what Kay needs. Or, sorry, what Deanna needs to balance her out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, like, a brief moment where, like, off screen, Derek also tells Deanna why he quit 7-0. So we don't hear what it is, but we do see Deanna just, like, laughing in reaction to this and saying it's really dumb. (laughs) So I'm curious to find out why he left. Um, 
But yeah, things change really fast in the second half because Kay goes to one of her old instructors from the drug control division, this guy named Gary, and asks him as a favor to check out the host club because um, they've gotten into this mess. Gary or Gall? It's Gary. <laughs> yeah, it's Gary. No, only you would get that. <laughs> it's a Destiny joke. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. God damn it. That's <laughs> such a, like, a niche joke. <laughs> like, it's very niche, yes. <laughs> like 10 people will get that. <laughs> That's funny. So he agrees. Um, but it quickly turns out that Gary, or Gall, is corrupt and has been working with the host club to f- sell like fake stimulants in place of real Anthem. And so he actually chooses to sell real Anthem to, like, idiots because it has a 30% uh, fatality rate when you take it. And then he chooses people he wants to survive and gives them stimulants instead and makes them think that they're chosen by Anthem uh, because they didn't die. So it's a curious thing. Yeah. Uh, so Kay is taken hostage, and then Yuri and Kirill, who were trying to follow her, are also taken hostage. They just, like, show up there kind of out of the blue. I guess they're sent by other people, like, saying, like, you should go check on her. Um, Gary asks Kay to make her friends bring them an anti-AMS bullet sample, which would be, like, worth a fortune to the people trying to fight the effects of Anthem because it's, like, the only known cure, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's kind of weird that 7-0 seemed to have a monopoly on this, like, bullet thing. Like, that seems like, I don't know. It seems like you would have, like, doctors who would have access to it, too, or something. I don't know. I thought that, too. It was a little <laughs> odd. I was like, why do they yeah. only have it? Yeah. Uh, that's, like, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. So Gary gets Kay to call Deanna to bring the bullet over and tricks her into, like, thinking it will lure on, the like, that kingpin person, Esperanza. Um, but... That was all set up, and so Gary then goes all stupid bad guy villain, you know, character, and tries to shoot Deanna mm-hmm. at the meeting, but, like, Deanna jumps into her car and then gets the drop on him when he lets his guard down. Gary uses Anthem to become a monster and grabs Kay, threatening to kill her, but, like, Kay, like, sees Deanna lick her lips, which is, like, she recognizes this as a sign that she's about to make What's a move. What's funny, this show shows <laughs> her doing that, like, three different times from three different angles, and I'm like, okay, I get it, you're sexualizing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, this could like, be oh. something else. Mm. <laughs> we know. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, Kay sees that, she's like, oh, I have a chance, and so she, like, blinds Gary with a flashlight, and... Deanna, like, climbs up Gary and, like, gets him to release his grip on Kay and then eventually jumps down, jumps back up and, like, shoots a bullet of medicine down his throat, uh, taking him down. So, Yuri, who was chained up with uh, Kirill, the robot girl, like, easily breaks out of her chains as soon as she realizes that uh, Gary's been taken down because... I guess they were just letting themselves be like chained up to like keep the other bad guys just like well, she busy. was not yeah she Kirill. was not Carol's an idiot <laughs> and he just, like yeah. doesn't know <laughs> like and so like Max like breaks through the wall Maxine uh, on her motorcycle and like they tie up these host club guys like really easily um, yeah Yuri like goes all like super robot like when she breaks her chains it's kind of cool. And they'd just been keeping them distracted there. And yeah, so after it's all over, Kay tells Deanna she wants to keep learning from her. uh, But she needs to play by the rules, you know. And Deanna's like, you know, Kay, you remind me of my old partner. And you see this, like, flashback to when she was, like, a young girl. 
And then, like, Yuri and Max, I think, it is, like, tell Kay, like, oh, yeah, her old partner, I think that was her dog. Her dog's (laughs) name was Kay. (laughs) So, yeah. And, yeah, like, Deanna at the end of the episode is like, Kay, can you just say uh, wolf for me, please? (laughs) She's like, no. Um, And, yeah, Kirill tells Doug, like, I think think Yuri might be a robot. And Doug is just like, huh. I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe like you go on. Like apparently, it's very well known. Like everybody else knows that she's a robot. It's like very well known. <laughs> it's like so for he's Kiro. Like, you, it's I'll public let you knowledge. Know if I find out any more information, and then in the background, yeah. the, the like narrator is just like Doug is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, oh my god! <laughs> I loved it. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So I liked finding out more about the uh, you know Travis's angels part of the group because i've been waiting to find out more about them but i still want to get like more like episodes centered around like the different characters like i want to really find out about maxine or max like what's her deal yeah um and like i would like another like yuri episode because she was pretty cool uh she seems like really cool max and yuri will probably have an episode together if i had to guess yeah that would make sense yeah yeah and about their anything else you guys noticed from this episode Mm. No, no. Okay. You, you weren't happy with the visuals, though, right? Oh, yeah. So at near the end, there were some weird things that happened. Like, so with Deanna's character, they kept jumping back and forth between CG and hand-drawn animation for her because anytime they're far away and she's in like a scene with like another person, they were drawing her CG or like modeling her as a CG character. Any close-up, they were doing hand-drawn. And just got a little bit jarring as they are going back and forth between those constantly by the end of the episode. And mm-hmm. I also noticed that Kay's facial features, like, near the end, in the last few scenes, were, like, pretty poor quality. Like, her eyes were too far apart or too close together a couple times. I was just like, eh. Well, I did I mean, nothing... the CG thing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's not looking great. Yeah. Well, they had their best of the best working on the lip licking. I mean, that's where all of it went. <laughs> right. you, you can all tell. All the money. <laughs> <laughs> all the money went there. Like, it's nothing like uh, my sister, my writer level of terrible oh, faces. Oh, I saw but that. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing like that. But it was noticeable. And I was like, oh, I hope this isn't like a sign of things to come. Because it's only episode four, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Stuff like that tends to happen after episode three, right? Because, you know, three episode rule. It's like, like, oh, we got to episode four. Yeah, it's like they're (laughs) locked in now, fuckers. (laughs) They just bring in kids to draw in crayon episode four. They're like, ha ha, we tricked you. Uh, (laughs) All right. I'm ready to move on. Tell us about the next thing, Kat. Okay, oh shit. So, like, this episode of The Girl in Twilight was, like, really long and like really involved i felt like mm-hmm. okay so the episode starts with mia and asuka like both watching the same western show on tv um and they're both like in their house it's late at night like you know you wake up in the middle of the night and you turn on some dumb show and like the catchphrase mm-hmm. of the show is hilarious to me it's like rather than gold what an outlaw like you deserves is lead and i'm like okay <laughs> It's perfectly <laughs> cheesy for this. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Mia's mom comes in and walks in on her watching the show. And, like, Mia immediately is like, oh, I, I, I don't like this show. <laughs> I just happened to turn on the TV and it was on. And, like, it's obvious that her mom disapproves of it and, like, turns the show off. 
And meanwhile, at Asuka's mm-hmm. house, her grandma like walks in on Asuka watching it and is like, "Oh, that's whatever." And then she thinks yeah. <laughs> someone is robbing the shed and has Asuka go out to investigate. Like, first of all, did I miss why Asuka's family isn't around? Because like they mentioned that her family isn't around. Did I miss this? I don't know. Uh, I don't Do they run either. the miso shop? Like I, I assume that they just run, run her miso shop, and maybe well, they they're be around in the middle of the of night. Like I, I'm assuming, like they're out yeah. on vacation or something. I don't know. They didn't. I don't. Maybe remember they're just them keeping telling them off screen. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe um, they're just asleep or something. Who knows? <laughs> and then know. also, why would the grandma be like, "Hey, 14 year old girl, go confront this robber"? Like, don't have someone go confront a robber. <laughs> terrible even if well, it's like a big you know. burly guy don't have them do yeah. that little uh-huh. did you know that As- asuka has a, a wicked evil uh ladle swing on her She's oh yeah lethal. yeah when she started walking out with the ladle i laughed it was pretty great yeah <laughs> she's badass with that ladle but yeah no in the end it's only like serious ka or whatever like the the other asuka that they call twilight asuka yeah I think that's I, what we're going with. <laughs> I, I just call yeah. her serious cut because that's what they fucking call her. I don't know. Um, and mm-hmm. She's like eating just straight up miso from the storehouse, like just by itself. And I'm just like, ooh, don't eat it by itself. Put that shit <laughs> in something, you barbarian. Well, she she has a little box for it. She is saving a box to take with her to like other worlds. But like, yeah, she was t- testing it out. I think but it's too. like try- it's like eating ketchup like by itself. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Put some, it's, it's for <laughs> dipping, okay? It's for mixing and dipping. No. My, <laughs> my stepsister puts ketchup on everything, and I'm pretty sure she eats it straight sometimes. Mm-hmm. Craziness. I, to- I totally know people who do that, who, like, drown everything in ketchup. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so later on, like, they all go to the cafe, and Twilight Asuka gives you back her underwear and i don't remember her ever borrowing you's underwear it, yeah, i think it was supposed to be off screen basically like something that she had borrowed because okay. she needed more underwear but like ha- do you guys get the idea that maybe we're missing like some part of the plot that like maybe they're gonna go back in time later and explain these things because like one thing that we both we all missed is one thing but like two things I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe possibly. I'm thinking too much into it, but maybe not. Ooh. I don't know. That's that's interesting. It could be, but I doubt it. I, I would say I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Mm. But anyway, and then she also gives Nana like an astral model that she can use to transform into her other self. But then she's like, mm-hmm. I've said it so you could only use it in this fragment because I don't want you going around and by yourself and doing shit. And I'm like, okay. Um... Right then, there's suddenly, like, on the radio, <clears throat> like, a request suddenly from someone called Lovey Dovey Asuka, and the message is, <laughs> let's go west, which in Japanese sounds really similar to the numbers 13245, which is a frequency. Mm-hmm. So they all just dumbly follow this frequency again. They're like, oh, let's go! <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, as they leave to go do this, the camera kind of like pans to a cloaked figure in the corner of the cafe. And it's the same chick that was the fortune teller before who told Nana the mm-hmm. frequency yeah. last time. So apparently someone's like, 
Twilight Asuka needs some help with these clutters. Like, I'm gonna send these bitches to help her, even if she doesn't want them there. Or maybe she's a Twilight King. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm just throwing that out there. It's totally random. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. That's just my thought, but... But yeah, so they decide that they go. They should go. And they're like, okay, Asuka, you be the link this time. And they're like, if we get lost, we'll meet at the cafe. And But like then a caterpillar dangles like in front of Asuka, and she like jumps. And the cassette player gets thrown. And then Mia catches it, so she ends up moving first when they transfer. And so then she ends up being the link instead of Asuka. And then also the new fragment world that they transfer to is just a Western world, just like the show they were just watching. <laughs> oh no! So the um, the that was weird. So what Nana describes it as as the time like America around the time of E Nausuke. So I had to look that up because like I don't know who the hell E Nausuke is. So. He was this really important uh, political figure in like the late 1850s in Japan. So this is like a really weird way of just saying it's like, oh, it's America around the late 1850s. Oh, <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like the Japanese way of saying that, like in a way that everyone yeah. there would know. Okay, interesting. Exactly. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Mia over... Okay, so Mia over here is like when she gets to the other world, she's the link. She's sort of sitting in the cafe and she overhears this world's Asuka, who is a bounty hunter, asking you, who is like working at the cafe, about these two women outlaws who she's like looking for. And you hasn't seen them. Also, Asuka is like flirting hardcore with you. Like, Asuka's mm. like, yeah, that ass. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in the in like in her mind, Mia's like, oh, in this world, Asuka and you don't know each other like they do in our world. They aren't childhood friends. And like, also, Asuka is really different. Like, she's very stubborn and like badass here. I don't know. It's you find out later. Like, it seems like every time Asuka and you in one of these fragments don't know each other, they like immediately are sexually attracted to each other. It's weird. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, and as like this, um, this world's Asuka leaves the cafe, she just randomly fires her gun twice inside the salon, which is like fucking dangerous. Uh, was she was like, shooting the uh, wanted poster. It doesn't with, uh, matter Nana what she was shooting. Chloe. She was inside a fucking building. You don't right. shoot your gun she in wasn't a building. Shooting randomly. <laughs> but still, you don't do it. That's like gun Cat, safety This is the wild west. You get away with wild shit. No. Come on. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so then later, like, um, Yaji Sensei is playing poker with some other dude and cheats him, and they start fighting. And then Mia is urged to break up the fight, since apparently it's her job, but she's, like, too pussy to do anything. So then, luckily, Sheriff Hakuma arrives and is like, what's going on? And, like, immediately breaks up the fight. Um, And apparently, we find out Mia is the sheriff's deputy, and they go off together to do something that the sheriff's like, we need to do this. Um, And like weirdly just as Mia leaves the rest of the gang get to the cafe um, and then yeah. the, the you of this world at first is surprised 
thinking that like Asuka has caught Chloe and Nana. But then, like, mm-hmm. the other, the regular you, I, I'm going to call it, like, the people from the original world the regular one. Because okay, otherwise yeah, it's, it's going to get really It's really confusing. tough. Like, I understand. <laughs> yeah. the, the struggle is real. Yeah. So yeah. regular you waited outside. She didn't go in with the other three because she's like, oh, you is, like, this world's you is already in the cafe, so I better not go in there because it's going to be weird. Um, so you've got the three of them inside, you waiting outside, and then this world's you inside. So picture that in your brain. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> no, it just broke. <laughs> no. <laughs> but then this world's Chloe and Nana, who are the outlaws, run in and hide under the counter because they're being chased by this world's Asuka, who is a bounty hunter. So the bounty hunter runs in after them, but then sees regular Nana and Chloe instead and is like, yep. oh, it's the outlaws. And they're like, oh, no, someone's chasing us. And so they run out. And then this world's <laughs> Asuka runs after them. And then as after they leave, this world's Chloe and Nana, who are actually the outlaws, pop up from behind the counter. <laughs> and are like, I wonder why the bounty hunter left. <laughs> I have this God. writing in front of me. And watch the episode, and I'm lost. <laughs> I know, it's, it's so chaotic. That's why I was like, oh, we need, this is going to be difficult. Okay. <laughs> so meanwhile, regular you, like the original you, is all confused because she's seen people running in and out of this cafe like crazy. And she's like, what the fuck is happening? So she goes inside the cafe where regular Asuka is yelling at like the outlaw Nana and Chloe from this world. And she's like, why did you come in here and you fucked everything up and then as and then of course you enters and then everyone flips their shit because now there are two you's and everyone's like what like (laughs) (laughs) and it's just even more chaotic and then this world asuka catches regular nana and chloe and takes them to the sheriff's station to collect the bounty and obviously that he's not in because he's with mia doing some whatever the fuck they're doing so they have to wait. And regular Nana tries to convince this world's Asuka, the bounty hunter, that they aren't the bandits. Like, that the bandits are, like, different people. But it doesn't work. Um, so that sucks for them. <laughs> uh, and then at this point, <clears throat> we learned that everything in this world is apparently decided by duels. Like, there's even TV shows filmed, and they're, like, hosts that are called judges where people just like duel live on TV and like kill each other. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like this scene where uh, Hakuma and Mia are like watching one of these things take place. And it's with judge Hishi and like they, they comment that Hishi is like losing popularity. I guess this will be more, I, I feel like this is going to come up later. Um, Mia she's like asked, the Judge Judy of this world that's what I thought too I was like well the hot Judge Judy because she's like young <laughs> sure yeah so Mia asked the sheriff like what, why they need us if everything is decided by duel and he explains like duels are only for civil matters but if there's like evidence of a crime people can be charged without a duel so it's the sheriff's job to find evidence for the crimes um I don't know, like, and I just thought to myself, like, how intense would things like custody hearings be? Like, since that's a civil matter. <laughs> oh my God. Like, if, if everything was decided by duels. 
It would be a lot shorter, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just have like lot less attorneys stand, fees. stand like on either side and the kids like in the middle watching and then just whoever gets dies first like the other one gets the kid damn yeah this whole setup reminded me of a couple episodes of like the original kino's journey just it's like the kind of thing that they would run into like or like the coliseum episode of kino's journey where it's like you settle things like by like winning in the coliseum but or like the town that they go and like the new kino's journey where um like everybody can shoot everybody but you know like people don't like it when you actually shoot people like they they are like luring bad people there to shoot them oh there's like Um, oh the town with no laws yeah exactly right so this reminded me of that stuff but yeah it's interesting yeah no it it is a really interesting kind of world and then so this world's asuka serves regular nana and chloe chloe some like pastry thing as dessert and they're like well we know she's still asuka she served us dessert as dinner (laughs) Um, and we find out she became a bounty hunter in this world because her parents died like really young because of all the duels and she needed to support herself. Um, and then you find out this world's Mia is like much more assertive than like the regular world Mia. And I think Mia is kind of surprised that like her alternate version is very strong willed and everything. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that her breaking that mold will be what gets her her cassette player. Oh, yeah. or whatever. Sure. That's that's yeah. definitely what's going to end up happening. Um, and you find out this world's Nana and Chloe, who are the outlaws, are the are taking care of like a bunch of kids who don't have parents because of all the duels, and that's why they robbed the bank. And they ask like, regu- so I really liked that because that made a ton of sense. It's like, well, if all these people are going to kill each other in duels, there's going to be all these children left with no parents, and that's a great reason for why they would be like robbing banks and like trying to help kids. Like that was awesome. I liked that twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good it's a good twist. And then they ask regular Asuka and you if they'll like help them tomorrow rob another bank. And like they're like, no, <laughs> we're not helping you rob a bank. But then like a, a third you appears and like sexually harasses like original Asuka and is like, come on, yeah, what was that? one bank won't hurt. Like, <laughs> what was that with like the sexual harassment? Like the weird like lifting her skirt up for the panty shot. That was so out of nowhere. And, I'm like, telling you, no anytime that an Asuka and a you don't know each other, there is immediately sexual harassment between them somehow. <laughs> One of them will sexually harass the other one. This is my theory. Well, now I'm now I'm just waiting for Yu's arc because that's going to be interesting. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Um, and I think personally that this third Yu that appears at the end is the cloaked girl who keeps sending them the frequencies. What do you guys think? I thought so too. I got that sense like she had the same type of hair, like and had the same type of personality as that fortune teller cloaked girl. So yeah, she was also taller too. So yeah. matched up mm-hmm. with her, yeah. I would. I'm th- with you on that, unless it's like a misdirection or something. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. all right. Yeah, this is the uh, version of Red Dead Redemption Two I always wanted, Leo. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I don't want Arthur Morgan, you know, grizzled, you know, old Western gunslinger as my main character. I want Mia Silverstone as my main character, <laughs> Moe Girl. <laughs> Maybe maybe when Red Dead comes to PC, there will be a mod for Girl in Twilight where you can play as Mia and all of the people at your little camp are just like the Girl in Twilight girls in like Western outfits. How much have you played would, so far? I've played like 40 hours of the game and I'm like probably a third of the way done with it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a long game. Yeah. But yeah. 
No, no. I like this episode. I like the the Wild West backdrop for everything. Uh, I especially liked Mia's Wild West outfit. It looked super cute. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Yeah. It's pretty neat. I, I'm ready for the next episode, really. <laughs> yeah, speaking of super cute outfits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made of human beings. Golden Kamui, oh second season. I was like, where is he going with this? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right. so episode 16, the great plan to infiltrate the Asahikawa 7th Division. <clears throat> so Shirashi gets captured by the 7th Division, and Hijika decides that he and uh, Kiro Ranke will go to Asahikawa. There's just too many freaking weird words in here <laughs> to say <laughs> Shinichi while the other two wait. On the rest of the group to arrive. <laughs> Before you even said that, Leo, I was just laughing because I was like, oh my god, this is so many Japanese names in one sentence for Leo. This is going to be rough. <laughs> I did not mean to write that like that. Uh, so, yeah. So, Kinjiro and Inkamart find out where uh, Sugimoto's group is and sets out for the town. We also learn uh, Tokat means boobs. <laughs> yep. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> that little scene there was kind of funny because like they saw like the bean seller or whatever, and they, then he he said a uh, city where they were going and like something uh, like Tokachi or something like that. Yeah. Something that sounded like Toka. That and of boner course, of all kid. people, it's boner. The bo- <laughs> <that> yeah, <laughs> the boner kid is just obsessed with her fucking boobs. I'm like, just chill, dude. Like. I know but she's you're... like happy about it. She's like she super. Care. Fine she doesn't with care. It. I don't think she's happy. I think she I think likes she's how amused. upset it makes the other dude. She's like tee hee hee hee. Like, yeah. So, so Sugimoto, Serpa, and Tatsuma meet up with the ones waiting on them and find out what happened to Shirashi. Shirashi, Shiai, bit. While the other two are trying to get ahead of the Seventh Division, Hijikata reveals that he knows. Uh, Kiro Ranke isn't a real Ainu. And he says something weird about uh, what's the, f- you know, the real name of, uh, what is it? It's a Japanese ghost or something like that. Japanese it's a, ghost? It's a name or somebody in the show's name from it. I had to Google it because I couldn't figure out what character they were talking about. And instead, I got a uh, a ghost that like has no face or something like that. Ooh, I don't remember this. Huh? I don't know. I don't know what you're referring I, I, to. Because I, I couldn't really make sense of the whole scene. I was like, what is he talking about? And then even trying to search it, I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she or she, who is being escorted, sees like a bean seller and rushes over to get some. And like, why the people escorting him allow him to do this is beyond me. What the hell? Yeah. That, uh, no, you're under guard. You're not going anywhere they don't want you to. That was weird. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why would they let their captive like go by? I don't know. That was weird. Doesn't why make would, sense. Why to would me. they let their captive go fifteen feet away from them on his own? <laughs> yeah, you know, a guy named the Escape King. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So the bean seller is actually Hijikata, and in the wrapping of the at the bottom of the beans, it says uh, Kamui Kotan Hanging Bridge. Apparently this river is like very dangerous and there's like an urban legend also goes with it. And it was kind of neat. It's about a possessed flying sword called an Ipatom that -hmm. they could never like get rid of. Like they threw it in a a coffin with rocks and all it was just like chew through the rocks and out through the coffin and did a whole bunch of things. And they finally, what they did is they threw it into the swamps of the Kamui Kotam and it finally stayed buried away, which is awesome. If the show had used this for like some psychological warfare on the seventh division, 
like even Hiji is like, oh, and I will be the blade. I'm like, oh, they're really gonna fuck with them, and then they yeah. don't. They don't. <laughs> yeah, they kind of set it up like Hiji is gonna do this badass thing on that bridge, and they kind of it's a, it's a misdirect for sure. Yeah. yeah. So all he does is like they get on the bridge, he cuts the bridge, they all fall in, and it's up to uh, uh, what's his face is uh, Kuro, Kuro Ranke to uh, get uh, Shirashi, but. He doesn't, uh, and and it fails kind of because Shirashi remembers about his dream and Su- Sugimoto like stabbing him over and over and over, and then he just allows himself to get recaptured. So yeah. then it goes back to Sugimoto's group, and they reckon he's already made it to the seventh divisions uh, H uh, HQ. And then there's this moment where everybody remembers Shirashi being stupid. He's like standing there with his thumbs up. He's like, gee. Oh, they have like different poses for each person too. <laughs> yes, it it's was amazing. so good. The like, last one, like the Sugimoto one was the best. I know. <laughs> and it's funny because then they're all like, eh, it's probably fine. He got captured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, forget it. But then Sugimoto, he's kind of against it. And then like Hijikata's like, yeah, he kind of does have his uses sometimes. So they're still going to go get him. <laughs> so uh, Surumi visits Nikaido in the infirmary and this is just nothing but insanity from this point on uh, where he's acting crazier than usual because he's is like taking extra doses of morphine and talking to his stupid ear chin uh, oh my god and then he's talking to him like a dog he's like tapping his wrist he's like no <laughs> well, bad, he keeps, bad he keeps so, taking like so. extra things of morphine and the doctor's like he's gonna die and like <laughs> fucking he's like no, and he like holds out the thing of morphine. He's like, every time he tries to reach for it, he's like, no, bad, no morphine for you. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? He's not a dog. Poor Nikaido. I know. He reacts like a dog. That's insane. <laughs> and then, oh man, then we get to meet uh, Narizo, who is. Uh, would one of you like to take a shot describing him? <laughs> He's like a crazy weapons designer from Japan who's based yes. off a real person, but mm. they gave him a slightly different name from the real person. Like, I can tell you who this guy like, is based off of. He's based off of this guy named uh, Nariakira Arasaka, hmm. who is like an v- extremely famous Japanese weapons designer from that time period. Because as they talk about in the show, he designed the Type 38 Arasaka rifle, along with this guy uh, Kijiro Nambu, and they started using this rifle at the end of the Russo-Japanese War. But they used it like all the way through World War II. Like it's a, extremely like common to see that on like Pacific Islands during the war. Um, and so yeah, like he's pretty legendary. Huh, but okay. they, they made him like super goofy, Leo. <laughs> like in this show, like oh, he's so goofy, and I think and that's like, partially no why they changed his name because he keeps, you know, being having yeah. guns like shot near him. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the shit these two talk about is pure insanity. One of the stories I liked in particular is uh, Surumi praising uh, Narizo on his creation of the twenty-eight centimeter howitzers that didn't discern from friend or foe and created beautiful showers of rain. Rain, rain of blood, blood that he rain. got to wonderfully run through. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I messaged, I threw it in the chat, and I'm like, the shit I'm writing for this episode doesn't even make sense in context. Well, and <laughs> yeah. like insane. says some weird shit that's like poetic, but also fucked up. 
where he's like, beauty is the same as power. And like, you think on that for a second, and you're like, hmm. And then he's like, and I, and I thought that the showers of blood rain were beautiful as I danced through. And then you're like, what yeah. the fuck? Sarumi, it's like it's like a a theme with him this season. Sarumi is very good at flattering people who are involved in like very evil endeavors, but like don't want to think about it that way. Mm Sarumi is like very good at encouraging them to just oh, just keep going. Like everything you're doing is wonderful. I love you. It must be the lack of his frontal lobes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Sarumi eventually asked uh, Narzo to help a friend of his who got attacked by a bear. Basically, it's Narzo makes a prathetic leg for uh, Nikaido that can shoot three rounds worth of buckshot out of (laughs) the bottom. (laughs) Jesus, this show is just reaching new levels of sanity this this episode. And there's also become, I don't know what the lady walking into the room was even about at all. That was so weird. I oh, thought I know, it might be like, that. Meet my friend, and then this random person comes in, and then it's like, not her. <laughs> this person. And you're like, what the fuck? Just, like, Sarubi just shoves her out of the way, right? <laughs> like, who the hell are you? And, but, like, I thought she's it watching, might be the Master she, of Disguise yeah. from later in the episode, but I don't know why he would have been there. They don't talk about it. Yeah, I did but think that too, but I don't know either, unless they, this is going to come up later somehow. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So Hijikata introduces everybody to a man that was locked up with him that was a marriage fraudster and also has, he has one of the tattoos on him also. Uh, They need him to get inside the HQ and find out where they are keeping Shirashai. They decide he will impersonate the warden of Abashiri. His name is Inudo. After you like they hear a dog, he's like Inu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then uh Lanaga uses her mad skills and transforms him to look just like the dude. Uh and then a serpent kind of falls asleep during all this and like Hijaki Hijikata, I'm sorry, puts like picks her up and puts her in a lap, and then that's when Sugimoto's like, Oh shit, you're that guy from the longhouse. Yeah. And you probably Shirashi Shirashi has probably been working for you the whole fucking time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they're like Sugimoto, are you going to kill him? And then, like, it turns out a serpent woke up a little bit ago, and she's like, "Please don't kill somebody if it's unnecessary." So right. it's like, whoa, because like Sugimoto's like, if they if somebody betrays you, they'll betray you again and again, which is yep. not you know necessarily like the wrong thing to say. <laughs> and the serpent's <laughs> like, you know, that. I don't want to kill him though. I don't want you to kill him. <laughs> uh, yeah. They figure out which part of the base they need to infiltrate and who to meet with and then they send in the marriage forger and i'm pretty sure it's sugimoto under that weird mask because you can see the scar uh, scar across his lip mm-hmm. huh okay yeah that's what it looked like to me but like he says something like really weird it's not even a word i don't think but <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know about you cat but i'd be uh inkamarta gigolo <laughs> yeah i was like why does he think that he's inkamarta gigolo <laughs> Like that that old guy, he's like, oh, you're yeah. a gigolo. And I'm like, how did you get that idea? Like, I guess ladies like Inkarmat just ha- attract a certain type of man, I guess, usually. I don't know. I don't know. She's like, oh, of course she's a prostitute. I don't know. That's the only thing I could think. Maybe it's a lipstick. Yeah. Oh. All right. I'm pretty much tapped out on that one. Uh, I'm ready to move on to Run with the Wind. Yeah. Run with the whining, as Leo says. Well, with your Uh, whining, that is, Leo. Fucking baby. Yeah, yeah, constant Leo whining. I was actually waiting for you to say that, Kat. (laughs) Uh Of course. So, uh, episode four, Shadows That Don't Fade. 
So, this episode begins with a flashback of Kakeru running in his track meet when he was back in high school at Sendai Jose. And it turns out Kakeru has a friggin' terrible track coach. One of those yeah. guys who's like, I'm going to isolate the star of the team to get everybody else to like come up to his level. And it's like the worst strategy ever. It, it always backfires. Works. It reminded me of the yeah. cheerleading anime that like we, t- we like, yes. did an impression on. Like a similar thing it's happened. actually exactly the same. You're right. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. Doesn't at one so, point he course, have all of the rest of them like run? and then But he doesn't have mm-hmm. him run? Like, that's just yep. a recipe for disaster. It's terrible. And what? if you're, if you're Kakaru in that situation, you go run with them. Like, yeah. you can't let that happen. Like, you have to just go run. <laughs> yeah, what what cheerleading anime are you guys talking about? Uh, Anima Yell from uh, mm-hmm. Our Impressions at this season. Oh, because Kat said we reviewed it. I'm like, we reviewed a cheerleading anime? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. We did when did we do that? Yeah. <laughs> that anime is super cute Was and it really that fun. bad? I completely locked it out of my memory. <laughs> I think no, you just fine. didn't like just the like... cuteness of the girls. You're like, oh god. Uh, I, I wasn't like, like, not anime, yo. But it was fun. It was fun. There's also like a, a lesbian confession of the third episode of that show, which is pretty cool. Like something you don't see all the time. So And Becom was cool. on that like a hound on blood. He, he <laughs> smelled it. He was like, yes, I have to keep watching this. He wanted to let Go us know. fight, win. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. yeah, it's like, okay, one of the teammates from Kakura's team back then, right? Mm-hmm. He's this dude with like lazy eyes named Kosuke Sakaki. And the guy who showed up at the he's the guy who showed up at the end of last episode, and he snidely remarks on how lucky Kakuro is to have made some friends finally. And so Kakuro like squeezes his fists a little harder. Kakuro is always squeezing his fists. He's gonna have like high blood pressure one of these days. He's, he's you know yeah. he's calm down <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah. So there's this brief scene where Kakuro gets lunch with Prince and his manga club friends at the cafeteria. And the only thing that really is important from this is that, like, they're, like, ousted from their table by a bunch of rugby guys. And Prince obviously, like, doesn't like this. Um, And that'll come to play kind of later in the episode, I think. Um, So then we get inside Cocker's head a little bit. And it shows us that he hates the part of himself that stole bread from that convenience store. Like, he's sort of thinking back on it. And he sees himself, like, doing it. And he's, like, trying to tell himself, like, what are you doing? You're so pathetic. Why would you do this? Um, and everybody around him, he feels, has been pushing and prodding him to run and uh, asking about his past has been weighing on him very heavily. And so he's like running at full speed, just trying to like get away from all these thoughts. And that's when he barrels like full on into Hanako, the girl. And so Hanako basically lets Kakuru know how excited Haiji is to be running with him. She's like cleaning like the bruise of her knee in this like nearby park from like a little fountain. And, like, she says that um, Haiji said God might actually exist after all, after meeting Kakeru, which was, I thought was interesting. It might give you a sense of, like, what Haiji's beliefs are. Um, and Hanako just says all she knows is that Kakeru is really fast and he should just, like, get over himself. <laughs> so yeah. Kakeru's like, I can't do anything but run. And Leo, like, probably cringed. <laughs> at that moment but yeah that's he that's that's like kind of his insecurities coming out he he doesn't think he's good at anything except for running and running is related to all this past trauma with him and so that's why he feels like useless at the moment um so yeah haiji spots kakiru in the park with hanako and walks home with him 
And Kaku is like, Kaiji, can you just give up on me? Like, I don't want to be part of this. Like, I can run alone, but I don't work well with others. And Haiji insists that even though Kakuru runs by himself, he's not alone. He's always running with someone else. And Kakuru doesn't understand what that's supposed to mean. I don't understand what that's supposed to mean. Because I was like, what? Yeah. So the only indication I got was that Haiji glances up at the clouds before continuing to run home. And I'm thinking, is he implying that god is with you or is he implying that like people uh, some other person is like looking down on you and you're running with them i don't know i'm sure we'll find out more the show is called run with the wind maybe you're running with the wind the god of the wind i don't know Ooh, we'll I don't see know. yeah it seemed very but, like uh, like touchy feely or whatever i don't know i guess we'll see yes <laughs> yeah we'll see it's probably like some spirits of I, I don't know we'll see maybe it's just god like i said i'm not sure so the guys all go for another practice 5000 meter run with hanako timing them kakuru gets there first and then kosuke shows up again his teammate from high school just to like keep insulting him apparently he's like and so i when found kakuru, this bitch yeah. i'm not gonna let him go like he's yeah. one of those people who just can't stop himself from harassing someone i don't know yeah, I guess he has. He feels like he has unfinished business with him because he yeah. he gets angry with Kakuru and Kosuke asks like, "Are you going to hit me again?" Clearly implying that things went down between them in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And so the rest of the guys finally finish, and Prince is the last one. And his, you know, he's he's gotten his record down to under thirty five minutes, so he's making progress, guys. He's he's gotten there. <laughs> More sure. importantly, he's faster than the butterfly now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! What really made me laugh is like Haiji is encouraging Prince with manga like quotes and stuff from like his favorite anime or manga, and like who hasn't gotten inspired to work out by like an anime or a manga at some point? Like I know I have, so I thought that was hilarious. Mm. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. For guys, just go watch JoJo. You'll be like, I'm a fat piece of shit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, Haiji sees Kosuke and, like, goes over to him and finds out he's from Tokyo Sports University, where they're going to be running to set qualifying records at a track meet in one month. And so the rest of the guys try to stop Haiji, but he continues blurting out, like, oh, yeah, we're trying to qualify for the Hakone Ekiden. And Kosuke's just like, are you joking? Like he's he, like, are you fucking with me or not? <laughs> and like, he goes to Kaku is like, are you, aren't you embarrassed to be running with guys at this level? And that's when Prince, who is face down in the grass, still like exhausted, has his big moment because he's like, it's always about fucking levels with these people. And I think he's thinking back to like the rugby guys who like bully him as well. But he just says like how much he hates the people who crit- criticize you and what you try to do. And he hates it more than he hates like running. And he hates running a lot. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> and he's not sure if any of these guys around him are his friends yet. But they accept him. And they recognize his worth as a person. And that means so much to him that like he just can't stand these people talking about like, oh, you're not on my level. And yeah, I think the idea of like the characters who are still running despite their protests is that like actions speak louder than words in this show. And like, yeah, I think that's partially where Prince is coming from too. Like, 
like the the law student who like is protesting that he doesn't want to run and all that stuff like you're supposed to understand that they really want to push themselves and like even prince is inspired by this guy haiji and like all the people around him and they want to know that they can be part of something great even if they won't admit it outwardly uh and so you can see that finally coming to the surface with prince which was pretty cool so what do you guys think I also thought it was interesting how you see Kurahara get angry that his friends are being insulted because you see that like they're starting to mean something to him. Like, oh know? yeah, mm-hmm. that Every- was cool. Yeah, everything else I already said. So, yeah. Um, to to uh, quote Cheryl Tunz from Archer, uh, "This is so boring and forever taking." <laughs> you're just so, like, you're just being I- a little bitch, Leo. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean they're just like setting up the characters and stuff like I don't know what you want to be happening at this moment in the show like what what you want them to be like already in the race or something like I don't understand I want like, them to be a different show <laughs> you, you just want to be annoying is what you want to be That's yeah pretty it. much yeah all right no I'm honestly just fucking bored out of my mind watching this show and watching something that I find boring, it just like makes you angry. Well, yeah, I, I understand that. Like, you know, well, listening to Draco you whine makes boring. me angry. <laughs> oh. All right, let's take a break and hear from some commercials from our buddies. Okie dokie. Yeah, we'll Peace. be back. Hi. Hey. Do you like wrestling? Whether it be in a bar, an arena, some weird place in Asia, or in a stadium. Or the occasional penis plex. Well, if any of these things might tickle your fancy, anywhere in between from penises to wrestling, you can come and check out our podcast. Our podcast name is Smack It Down. We talk all things WWE, New Japan, anything else in between. I'm Jay Silva. I'm Corey Gold. And we look forward to you joining us. Happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day, indeed. Warning, the following clip may contain descriptions of explicit behavior conducted by Bishi Boys. Yeah, that's not to say he didn't get physical. Quite the opposite, in fact. Our boy Kent was researching all the ways to please a woman. Pulled his lever. And he put some <laughs> of that learning into effect, if you know what I mean. Let me give you a scene from the show that I really quite liked. My research shows that women find it pleasurable if men place their fingers here, then apply some pressure and begin to rub that area. <laughs> Do you enjoy that? Is it giving you pleasure? Please respond. I need verbal... <laughs> Please respond. <laughs> I gotta get this out. I gotta get this out. Get it out. Please respond. I need verbal confirmation that this is something that you enjoy. <laughs> Heroin Sadie tells him that it's hurting her as he's rubbing her too vigorously. Ow. Despondent Ken removes his fingers and looks at them. Perhaps I applied too much pressure. Don't worry, Kent. Head pats are difficult to master. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Yata from the Reanimator Pod. If you want to hear more, you can check out our website. That's R E N M A T O R P O D dot com. We release new episodes every Monday. Don't drop that. Hey, don't drop that. And here's another tasty morsel from the Trash Pandas Watch Anime Podcast. Some, some fan service. Yeah. I mean, it worked pretty well in Dragon Ball. Do you remember those scenes with Bulma? Bulma was running around in a 
funny outfit for the longest time. I know. Akira Toriyama. <laughs> we can get the Dragon Balls, and then we can make our wish. Bulma's panties. <laughs> did Oolong wish for Bulma's panties, or did you just wish for a pair of panties? I think it was just a pair of panties. I'm sure it's different in the Japanese than it is in the English dub. But, yeah, he just wished for panties. They're probably used. As always, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Trash Panda Anime. You can find us on our website, tpwapodcast.com. You can also find us on assorted sites like SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And we're back. Yes. Okay. Cat, take us away, please. All right. So next, we've got Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, which the the name is too damn long. They just should have called it like Bunny Girl Senpai. I don't fucking know. They should have called it something he else. Also, totally dreams about her. I was going to say, I feel yeah. like he totally does dream about her. <laughs> it's, it's a dumb name. I don't know. So anyway, at the beginning of this episode, like. They make this big hullabaloo about the national team, the Japanese national soccer team, like winning mm-hmm. a game in the World Cup. And I'm just, I was thinking, like, how? I don't feel like Japan got very far in that. So I don't know what uh, imaginary victory they're imagining. <laughs> I think they were at least in it. I can't remember how well they did in the last World Cup if they actually won a game or not. Um, I mean, I know I that they remember. were in Shoot. it, but I, I don't think they got very far. No, I don't think so. Yeah, but but good on the Japanese. They they wanted to insert that since the World Cup was recently. <laughs> they, they uh, it looks like they won their first game, tied their second, and lost their third. Yeah, yeah, that that feels right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. But but yeah, so at, that day at lunch, Mai makes Sakuta a box lunch because apparently he joked at some point like. My, can you even cook? And so, like, she does it to prove that she can cook, which, in some weird attempt to prove her suitableness as a wife, as as every girl <laughs> in Japan must do, I guess uh, they must be able to provide food for their husbands. Yeah, no, I'm like, girl, girl, you do not have to cook. He can cook too. Make him work <laughs> for it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Sakuta apologizes. Master, I mean, he repeats that he loves her and like wants her to go out with him. Mai says that after hearing it every day for a month, it doesn't excite her anymore, and so she has no reaction. But she Mai, asked for that. I know. She's like, the thing that I wanted wasn't actually the thing that I wanted. This is often a problem with women. Sometimes she didn't. She didn't technically ask for it, though. She technically asked, like, tell me again in the month. And he's like, I can't wait that long. Can I tell you every day? Which is romantic. But also, it's funny that now that he's told her every day, she's like, this has gotten really boring. And I'm kind of over it. (laughs) Oh, boy. But yeah, Mai tells Sakuta that she got a part in a drama with a kissing scene. She says it isn't her first time kissing someone, so it's fine, and explains that while Sakuta couldn't see her, she thought that maybe if she kissed him, he would remember. And of course, he doesn't mm-hmm. remember her kissing him. So she's like, oh, maybe I can do it again. But then, like, has him kiss an egg roll instead, which is silly and dumb. <laughs> That's uh, cute. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's whatever. Sakuta says he may, like, fall out of love with her since Maya keeps rejecting him. And Maya gets all embarrassed and agrees to go out with him. And it's cute. But then, it was very daring, very blushy. It was yeah, very cute. Yeah, it was adorable. But then, like, the next day, 
Sakuta wakes up and like June 27th is repeating again. So like all that effort was for nothing. Sakuta does. We endless eight boys. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. He's back. Season three of Harry. Oh shit. But yeah, Sakuta does everything the same and he notices there's like another couple where the guy asked the girl out on the same day, but he's just like, ah, well, hopefully this will like not happen again. And I, and I thought that was kind of a funny way to approach it. Like, well, maybe this will just go away on its own. I'll just ignore yeah. it the first time. And so the, the second time that the day repeats, Sakuta's like, all right, it's time for me to do something. So he consults Futaba and she thinks that rather than him going back in time over and over like he feels like he's doing, he's most likely watching the future from an earlier point in time and is in some sort of like simulation with, with mm-hmm. someone else who is using it to like to, to, to pick the best route basically um, yep. and she calls this Laplace's demon theory so, so I can explain this okay go ahead. <laughs> if you want so Laplace was this French uh, physics and engineering uh, scholar uh, who came up with lots of like interesting ideas in physics, but w- this was like more of like a philosophical idea that he had. Uh, Laplace's demon, like if we understand like the position and like the current momentum of every single atom that exists in the universe, uh, then we could calculate like where those atoms have come from because we know their momentum and their position. And because of like the classical mechanics of physics, you can determine where they were and where they're going next and what Adam is going to hit them and like how that's all going to play out. The thing is you would need to have ridiculous amounts of computational power to be able to do that. And there's nothing we know in existence that could do that. So he's like, Oh, what if there was just this demon who had this power, just like this imaginary being who could do this and could they, if they could, they could predict the future and see the past with like perfect accuracy. Um, but yeah, so like, that's kind of what they're making out to, um, this new girl to be Tomo, Tomoe. So yeah. Yeah. So like the idea is that, that like the person who is doing this is using the, the simulation that they have created to calculate what they should do to get the result that they want. So Sakuta needs to look for who is acting differently so that he can tell who it is who's making the simulation. So, but I have an issue with this because it's like, why would he be the only one to notice being in the simulation? Like, why is he trapped and aware specifically? It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. They need to explain Cause better. Because he is protagonist Kun. He is MC uh-huh. Kun. <laughs> they has, better have an explanation. He's also a demon. <laughs> eventually. Well, That's all I'm well, saying. <laughs> you didn't question yeah. it when you singled out for Mai's case? Well, I did, but, like, I figured maybe it's because he's, like, particularly obsessed with her. But, like, now that it's mm-hmm. two, like, they better quickly come up with a reason. Otherwise, it's going to get annoying. So that's no, all he's, I'm That's true. He's, he's yeah. just the main character. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, there has to be something else other than that. They'll, they'll come up with something, I'm, I hope, anyway. Um, so they find out that Koga, a girl in his class, is the one doing it. But she doesn't really know that she's doing it. She also... She, okay, so also she has, like, an adorable country accent. I don't know if you noticed that. It's cute. Oh, yeah. It's very yeah. cute. And now Toyama is voicing her, and she has she does the best cute voices. So, yes. You would know that. Okay. <laughs> he, would, uh-huh. he would know the lolly vo- voices. <laughs> yeah. 
So, she also sings the ED for the episode. Like, so it's the same song, but it's sung by Nao Toyama instead of the other voice actress. And Nao Toyama is so good. She's so cute. Oh my God. Anyway. Now that BCOM has like had a weird orgasm over how cute she is. Squeeze! Okay. Sakuta asks if anything traumatizing has happened recently to, to Koga, but like all she can say is that she gained some weight recently. And he's like, oh, it's fine because your chest needs some meat. And I'm like, dude, that's shitty. That's fucking <laughs> shitty as fuck. It was a funny way to put it. He's like, you're on the slimmer side, but like your chest could use some meat. And I was like, wow, that's uh, okay there. It's calm down, Sakata. Yeah, no. And then the red haired guy comes in who like asked her out the other day. And Sakuta and Koga hide under the podium in the classroom. And, like, this is clearly what Koga is avoiding, or rather, like, who she's avoiding. It's this guy named, like, Maizawa, and it's Koga's, Koga's best friend, Rina, has a crush on Maizawa. So she's in this situation where, like, she doesn't like him, but he, he wants to ask her out, and she knows this. But, like, if she says no, the entire class will hate her because he's really popular. But if she says yes, her friend will be upset with her. And so she can't, she can't do either thing. And so she's fucked, basically. <laughs> yeah. So Koga gets upset and knocks the podium over that they are hiding under. It ends up, like, on top of Sakura on, on accident. And then, like, Maizawa comes back in because he hears this loud noise and sees them. And he says, so this is what you had to do. You have poor taste in guys. Which I, I took this, like, two ways. So the first way I took it is that he might be referring to her text saying she was busy. But he might also have known that she didn't want to go out with him and was avoiding him and, like, means this is what she did to get out of it, which means he knew that she was he was pressuring her. But I think the second one is more is more likely because, like, it's so obvious that she doesn't like him, like the, her body length. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe he is clue. I don't know. But it could well, be either I mean, way. I mean, for all we know, he only this is the first time he's ever asked her. He gets to the least ask her once. <laughs> and like I she's mean, so distraught by it. But if a girl is constantly like, trying to avoid you and like looks uncomfortable every time you're near her, like you kind of get the idea that she probably Yeah, but we don't know if that ever happened. But we kind of do because she says like I keep giving him like hints and stuff and he doesn't get the hint. Yeah, but is she talking about the repeating days? So it's not, that's not going to work no, on him. No, <laughs> she's talking about like when she and Rina, her friend, and Maizawa were hanging out together. Hmm. I don't know, but it's whatever. This is just me thinking like of my experiences with this sort of shit. But who knows? Mm-hmm. It could be either way. Um, and of course, Mai comes in and sees this too. And is like, don't speak to me. And Sakuta is kind of like, well, this will fix itself because the world will repeat again. And like, I'll fix it tomorrow. But of course, then it doesn't repeat. And then he's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. Uh, Yeah. So then, like, he comes to school the next day. and He's like, well, shit. And like, he goes to Futaba and asks her, like, what should I do? But Futaba is like upset and pissed off two that day because she apparently ran into some guy called Kuni Kuni Mi on the Kunami? I don't know how to say his fucking Mm -hmm. name. On the train. Yeah. And like he apparently Yeah. yeah, he apparently like has a girlfriend, 
but Futaba's in love with him, and so she just gets like pissed off when she sees him because she's like, "Fuck," which <laughs> yeah. And Futaba is like, uh, I don't know, like okay, Sakuto first of all tells Futaba she should confess to him. I disagree with this. If you if someone you know is dating someone, it's never a good idea to be like, "Oh, by the way, I'm in love with you," because that's just weird. Don't don't do that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the main plot. I'm sure this will become relevant, though, like later. I'm sure this is going to come up again. Um, so anyway, Futaba tells Sakuta that she thinks eventually Maizawa will figure out that Koga and him are not dating because Sakuta just asked out Mai in front of everyone last month. So like everyone... Is, so like he's gonna figure it out and then at that point everything will go back to the 27th again so he shouldn't worry too much about it um that day at work though sakuta finds out that koga has gotten a job at the same place he works so that she can work near him (laughs) (laughs) and koga's friends come to the restaurant where they now both work to ask if sakuta is serious about koga because, like, they know about the rumor between him and Mai, and they're, like, worried that he's jumping from one girl to the other. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, how sad, I don't know, how sad is it that Koga is, like, so willing to do anything possible to get out of this mess? I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> um, later, when they're both walking home, she, like, begs Sakuda. She's like, please let me pretend to date you. Like, I have these friends. I don't want to lose these friends. Like, it's not even that I mind being alone. It's that being alone is embarrassing. And and Sakuta at that point remembers his sister saying something very similar when she was getting bullied. And, like, how much that really hurt her. Just the embarrassment aspect of it. And, like, reluctantly agrees to pretend to be with Koga. And Koga's yeah. like, all right, we're going to go on a date and I'm going to take pictures for evidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's it's a dumb setup, but I at least understand it. It's not crazy. Obviously, it's so the main character can have another girlfriend at the same time. But like, whatever. How's he going to explain this to Mai, though? Well, OK, so at the I end mean, of the episode, Mai yeah. comes over. And she, like, angrily asks why Sakuda hasn't come to explain himself yet. Like, I think that's adorable. <laughs> I guess we're about to see. It was pretty adorable. Like, what's going <laughs> to happen there? Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's pretty upset. Like, and, uh, she's right to be upset. Like, he should have, like, at least called her, if not come over, like, if he really cares. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was too, you know, he was too busy with his other new girlfriend uh, as he continues to build his harem. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, if the first arc of this show was, like, you know, basically Sinjogahara from Bakemonogatari, like, this is, like, the Haruhi Suzumiya arc. And so it's, like, all the best hits from all of the famous light novel anime. I'm, I'm like, curious to see if this, like, is a running theme and, like, the next couple girls in this show are going to have, like, parallels to other famous light novel anime Oh, you're just well, waiting but. on the sister episode. We know it. Oh, well, you know what? Like, if like if I know anime, the sister episode is going to be, like, on the Blu-ray. It's, <laughs> it's going to be an extra OVA. Becom right? is waiting for the toothbrush equivalent scene, everyone. Oh, oh if, he, <laughs> if they do that, man, that would be... I don't know if they could get away with that one. 
<laughs> I mean, somehow uh, Makamoto Gasari got away with it. I don't know how the fuck they got away with it, but they did. Oh man, it was pretty. It was pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, right, let's move on. <laughs> yes, banana fish. Woo! Episode sixteen. How do you say that? Low. Low the poor the peacock. Poor peacock. All right. Mm-hmm. I know. I, with you guys, I can't pronounce anything wrong, or I get I get the beating. So <laughs> the beating, <laughs> the verbal beating. Uh, you know you love the it. The whip Go comes on. out. Uh, so Ash makes his escape and like starts crawling through some of the ductwork, and it like makes a and he makes it to a medical supply room. It, it seems, but like an infrared sensor caught him in the ductwork, and the guards have now been alerted, so they're all out running looking for him. Uh, the doctor then gets notified while he's entertaining Dino and uh, the Baron, the guy who's his uh, replacement. Uh, the Baron's like, ah, he's just a kid and what's the big deal? And I just laughed because <laughs> Dino's sitting on a couch and he's just thinking to himself, like, you guys have no idea what you're fucking in for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys are so fucking screwed. Don't underestimate him. Uh, I His smugness through this whole episode was very entertaining to me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So using the key card he got from that, uh, from the security guard, he hacks to a computer for like the schematics of the buildings, trying to figure out the way to get out. And then, like, a guard runs up behind him, but they're under the orders to only use tranquilizers right now. So, like, Ash turns around, like, shoots the guard. He kills, like, eight guards this episode, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the the gunfire sets off the alarm. And then, like, Max and Shunichi use it to get away from the tour group so they can do their own looking around stuff. Uh, but their absence is like noticed very quickly. It's a very uh, tight run place. So Ash first, he goes and gets professor Dawson and then he continues to escape and like whole blocks of the building are like starting to go and lock down with like these large metal shutter metal shutters and everything. And at one point, Ash and the professor end up on like the top of an elevator trying to avoid the security and then like the I'm I'm going to call them the middle aged duo. <laughs> they show yeah. up to use the elevator after the security's left. Uh but then like another security guard shows up, they end up in a scuffle and end up hitting like the emergency stop button. And then that alerts <laughs> the security center that something is going on there. And then like the elevator is going up and down up and down and then just like at one point Ash is hanging onto the edge of the elevator as the professor is holding onto his ankles and they're just dangling in the air. Then in like a feat of strength, only a mother can use to pick up a car off her baby. Right? Ash, so ridiculous. Ash hangs okay, with no. one hand from the elevator, grabs the professor's wrist and curls this old man high enough to grab onto the ledge. I was like, uh, no. No, okay. I was like, <laughs> this was not like right, a Kat, mother's. This was not like a mother's feat of strength. This was like a circus performance. Like he lifts <laughs> this dude up high enough with his leg, then grabs him with his arm and like lifts him above his head with one arm. That's fucking insane. That's insane. Leo, as a as a rock climber, have you ever seen the movie Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone? Uh, uh fucking ages ago. But <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely watch it again now that you're like really into rock climbing. I, I but need like, to. <laughs> I would believe it if he did this. But like, Ash, Ash is like so scrawny and wiry. Like, I, it's so ridiculous that he it did this. It is ridiculous. <laughs> I also yeah, like yeah. the whole episode. 
Ash is just throwing this dude around like he's like a piece of corn, like a sack of corn or something. Like there's a point where like a, a like one of those security like walls is coming down and he just like picks the dude up by like the back and just like throws him face throws first. Him. <laughs> and he just lands like on his face. I'm surprised this dude didn't like bite his tongue off. At that point. <laughs> then I'm, at another point, I, he just goes, duck, and then the guy doesn't duck and, like, just gets fucked over in the face again. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> He's lucky this dude already has brain damage, because he'd have brain damage by the end of this. <laughs> yeah, Professor Dawson gets the shit beat out of him by the time this is done and over with. Uh, the only <laughs> thing I can think of is along with Ash's, like, crazy high IQ, then, like, he has, like, some, like, extra advanced adrenal glands or something that's the only way i can explain it (laughs) so then they just go like back to control center and dino starts laughing as the situation continues to get worse and then like the baron's trying to regain control so he ends up issuing just basically a shoot on site and then ash eventually manages to get outside by using a garbage chute and that's with the scene where he's like climbing down it and Max throws a security card down the chute and it hits him. <laughs> Can I be really nitpicky for a second? The stupid Amazon subs said like dust shoot, but they spelled the word shoot S H O O T. And I was just like, Amazon, please go to a dictionary or something. <laughs> like, it. It's a C H U T E shoot kind of. Oh, God. Oh the Amazon gosh. subs. Ugh. Yeah, but Ash like finds a hatch on the side and he manages to get out. And then that's when he sees the middle-aged dude has gotten caught. And he's like, he doesn't want to help him. But then he's just like, ah, shit, I got to help him. Uh, They end up getting interrogated. And the doctor can tell Max is lying about getting lost and that they had nothing to do with Ash's escape. He lists his large, huge PhD of psychopathology, monology, whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. The doctor tells the Baron this. And he just orders that the entire like North ward, ward gets locked down and that they should be shot on sight. But they're not even they're outside the building at this point. So that does nothing. Uh, a security guard goes to retrieve the middle aged duo when Ash smashes him on like the back of the head and the three make their escape. They then it's kind of funny. They then have <laughs> I to love this part. They then they then like some security guards come in. So they they find like a, a closet. So they just get in real quick and they get in there. And then they're all have their backs to the door and they just see like this nurse and this doctor just like getting it on. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, oh, Barbara. Yeah. they're just staring <laughs> at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but Max uh, gets a great idea. They end up stealing their clothes. Max takes the, do- the uh, doctor's uniform and Ash takes the nurse's uniform and they made him. Because of course he does. And they well, made him some fake they were going to do that at some point. <laughs> I knew they were going to. I wanted to see what he stuffed his chest with because he had like big boobs. <laughs> I don't know what he did. Yeah. Oh, man. And then they have Shinichi like on a gurney, but like a cloth over him, sort of just wheeling him away. And they get to this elevator. And just oh, before God. the doors close, this doctor shows up and he gets yeah. in. And he's like, whoa, man, hard day, guys. And he's like, then he's starting to check out Ash. And he's like, oh, wow. Ooh, you're tall and your voice is kind of husky. And Ash is like, I have a cold. And he's like, oh, I'm a doctor. Let me help you. And just sexually harasses the shit out of him until Ash. Yeah, this fucking doctor is like, oh, let me get up in there. Yeah. Well, this, what is this? Oh, it's originally supposed to be set in like the 1980s, right? Well, our 70s originally, but now it's in like the 90s, 2000s or something yeah, in the anime. Something like that. Yeah. Still not good enough. <laughs> 
And <laughs> Ash gets, I like, I like how Ash got really upset. He's like, this is sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, this is Ash saying this, but like, I think he's role playing as like the nurse and he's like, this is, this is not okay for this nurse. <laughs> <laughs> like he's so caught up in playing the nurse. Yeah. Uh, well, so they end up retrieving the professor and they escape using an ambulance and then like Ash eventually parts ways with them to find AG who has gone missing and that's like the big ending. But there's also a scene where they go back to the control room and the Baron's like losing his cool and he's blaming Dino and all this shit. And then Dino just gets up and he like shoots the Baron and he's like, he claims like, I'm the only one who can bring Ash down. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, he's like obsessed. Like he's just obsessed with Ash and doesn't want anybody else to have anything to do with the outcome of his destiny you know like mm-hmm. he's like i made him i will destroy him yeah and as high <laughs> tension as this episode was there was a couple funny moments like legit funny moments <laughs> oh yeah for sure <laughs> barbara barbara yeah. barbara found herself a wonderful doctor <laughs> like she you know barbara had been like working on this doctor for like months you know like she'd been like winking at him in the hallway like she's she'd been making his like you know reports out real nice Dude, it, it was and then, funny oh, yeah. i glanced over the notes and i'm like who the fuck is barbara <laughs> <laughs> so when i got to that scene i was just like hand over the eyes just like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Uh, poor Barbara. <laughs> yeah, poor Barbara. I mean, All I mean, she did ruined. get it. I don't know if she got the finish, but <laughs> <laughs> now she has a fun story to tell. They'll, they'll tell. They'll talk about it at their wedding. Don't worry. <laughs> no, God. They'll have the best story for every party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, Leo, you got the next yay. one. So now we got Zombieland Saga. Episode four, Warming Dead Saga. <laughs> so I everybody knows I wasn't too happy with the last episode, but mm-hmm. uh, it won me back. So the show gets okay. right back at it and has me laughing when the manager makes fun of the name they have chosen for themselves. <laughs> he's, he's just yeah. going, he's sitting there just going, is just like a gift. I love him so much. She's so he good. Is amazing. <laughs> Dude, I was, yeah, I was like this. Uh, the manager and the cop, whenever they're on screen, it's just hilarity ensues. Uh, so they've run out of cash. So he has booked them for like a pharmaceutical company that is having a retreat at a hot spring. Uh, okay, wait, also- but like the, the <laughs> reason they're able to book this is because the other group can't make it mysteriously. And I just was thinking like, what did the manager do to this other <laughs> group? That is a good That's point. <laughs> that is a very good point. Oh my gosh. Okay, so uh manager also forbids them from getting into the hot spring because they can't leave the rooms without their makeup on. And like Saki ends up punching him at in the gut because he's just like really rubbing it in their face and she's mm-hmm. like bam right in the gut and he like drops to the ground and whatnot. <laughs> So the next day, the manager drops them off for practice and goes sightseeing. And the girls decide to go sightseeing themselves because, you know, fuck the manager. <laughs> and, like, you just can kind of get a montage of them walking around. They're, like, looking in windows at one point, all these suites and crazy stuff like that. And then also while yeah. the manager's meeting with the... what. I was going to say, like, the I was looking up, like, what you can do in Urushinu. Like, cause they're like, we're going to go tourist, you know... Mm-hmm. do the tourist thing 
And, like, the only thing around there is just a bunch of hot springs. So, like, I don't really know what they're going to (laughs) do. Just go from hot spring and, like, uh, shrine to shrine, I guess. Go from hot spring to hot spring. I could do that. I mean, (laughs) I could do that. I would love that. I'm just saying, for for (sighs) zombies that can't go in a hot spring, I don't know how fun it's going to be for them. (laughs) <laughs> so I'd say I'd say that third hot spring probably had the best ping pong table. <laughs> 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 so like the manager's meeting with the boss from the pharmaceutical company, and like he's talking to her, and she's like, he's like, oh, you'll love these girls. They're practicing so hard right now. As he sees them walking <laughs> by the window, <laughs> and he's just stunned. But then the girls like end up at a foot bath, and I'm like, man, I wish foot baths were a thing here. <laughs> and then well, Foot baths. Yeah. yeah that'd be nice they'd be, they look awesome and then uh the this is kind of cool because they start questioning you know who this manager actually is he's they're like uh number one he was able to turn them into zombies so how does he know to do that do that bit number two how in the hell did he get their bodies since japan cremates all their dead so they're just mm-hmm. like, man, he's shady. We're like, you just now thought that? <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I don't know why the fuck the manager is so obsessed with revitalizing Saga. Like, there has to be something there. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, what he, his motives or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, yeah, there might be a, a way bigger picture than, we're th- than we can see. And all these zombie girls are like sewn back together. Like you can see it in their character design. Like he did some work on these girls. I, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, and then they all also finally decide they are going to give this idol thing an honest try. And even I is on board. And you guys have no idea how happy this makes me to get this stupid drama out of the fucking way and just focus on the idling shit. Like I, yeah. I'm tired I don't of want them moping. to focus on the idling shit. I, I want like the zombie shit. That's what I yeah, want. Yeah, I want the, to focus I want the crazy on. zombie antics that come with trying to be idols and all all that all right. that fun stuff. But like, I I was tired tired of eye moping. I hate whiny characters, and I was tired of Junko moping. I mean, stop it. So that's yeah, done and that. out of the way. Mm-hmm. So happy. You, you, you see why I don't like sports dramas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> need to get into that again today <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and the girls use do their show and they use these what are basically icy hot patches on the people in the crowd and like relaxes them but there was also an earlier scene where like they were experimenting with them and they were putting them on each other and like I, because they're zombies it like works like super quickly almost instantly and they're like oh we're well, all but sore, the reason but they're using great. the icy hot patches is like that's what the company that they're trying to entertain sells. So like they decide to use the, the incorporate them into their right. act. So right. like the company people feel included, I guess. I also lolled at like the fan service moaning as the girls like slapped that stuff on each other. <laughs> they're like, Oh, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. 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 So later on, Saki is a uh, convincing Sakura to go into the hot spring since it's late and nobody will be there. And like Junko's overhearing this and she ends up going with them. And then while they're in the bath, like the lady from the pharmaceutical company, she's like the boss, whoever, uh, it's who the manager met with earlier, comes out to the bath and like the girls are hiding and they decide to like go under the water <laughs> by holding their breasts. But then like Sakura just like fucks up and accidentally takes her own head off. And like when the manager's like, what's that splash? She like <laughs> finds her floating zombie head and then like Saki and Juko pop out of the 
fucking water and she's like freaking out and she's like running and it's just her running through the halls running to the all the other zombie girls who are like what's all this noise about <laughs> and the lights are like flickering yeah, it's like a horror it's, movie it's yeah. not helping yeah and then like <laughs> the next morning the boss lady has like a total men- mental break- breakdown forgets everything so she was supposed to have a deal with the manager but since she can't remember it's not going to happen uh and then like i said the girls also figured out like they're because then in the uh when they're in the hot spring like it's supposed to make your skin extra smooth and it like works like almost instantly on sakura Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, other things could come into play, like medicines and such. So, it'll be neat to see what they keep doing with this. I think it's great. I know the next episode uh, involves chicken costumes. <laughs> uh, oh, nice. I, all I'm saying, okay, I want to say one more thing, though. Zombies in a hot spring is so unsanitary. Like, just think about, like, <laughs> dead bodies just marinating in the water. And then, like, someone and else is water. dunk in there. <laughs> see all worse. that funk. Oh, God. That's terrible. Yeah, that would be pretty disgusting. Yep. Um, there was one thing I forgot about from the very beginning of the episode that made me laugh. It's like, uh, Kotaro, the manager, asked the, all the girls, like, what should we do next? And Sakura's like, well, we could, like, record our song on a CD. And then he's just like, yeah, you know, that's a pretty good idea. I'll just call up a recording studio. You dumbass. We don't have any fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> I just like how he's like, oh, yeah, such a great idea. No, you idiot. <laughs> um, and the only other thing that's like I keep noticing about him is he always has like a little squid sticking out of his pocket. But like the little legs look like McDonald's French fries to me because he wears this red vest. So it just looks like a little container of McDonald's French fries always sticking out of his chest. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. Okay. I like it. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, other than, you know, they have the little uh, the, the folded uh, like, what is it? Bandana or kerchief or something right there and but instead he's just yeah. got the the dried squid it's his little pocket square yeah <laughs> so he can keep you tie under control <laughs> who is still cracks me up <laughs> oh yeah i love her she's great i think so people have been predicting like will she ever turn back from a zombie i think she will maybe briefly near the end of the show do you guys think she will i like i think we're gonna get like at some reveal of her personality no. at some point well, well yeah, I think maybe. so. Well, okay, here. I'm I'm almost she's going to if she, it's only temporarily, it almost has to happen. Uh what's interesting though is when they started the show aired for like two episodes they didn't have a voice actor. But, but then oh, like yeah. they got one and it's Koto Mitsuishi. That's the mm-hmm. voice of uh Sailor Moon. Oh, okay. So, wow, okay. that's cool. Yeah, that's, we got to get so I mean, you're not going to hire such a big actor uh, voice actor and just have her going the whole fucking time, right? <laughs> yeah. So like that'd be pretty ridiculous. She's well, I don't know. I mean, but like something. the person who voiced Sailor Moon, like how old are they at this point? Maybe it's like their retirement gig. Like they don't want to uh, make serious uh, gigs anymore. Birthday is December eighth, nineteen sixty-seven. Mm. So she's fifty something. Fifty? Yeah. Yeah, she's fifty-one. Like yeah, fifty-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can still do Damn. voice acting. Yeah, she can still do plenty. She can still, she can still sing. Yeah. She can swing it. But anyway, yeah. yeah. We'll see, I guess. All right. <laughs> I need to hear about this next episode, Kat. Let me let uh, me get at it. Okay, so we got Car Guy <laughs> Circus. I warned you about the All physics right. going into the second episode. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, so a- Asihana is shocked as this boy like falls out of the sky 
at the beginning of this episode, which is called Swirling Tiger. And he has like mm-hmm. so much determination and like he's shocked that this boy has like overwhelmed him, a famous Kuroga puppeteer. And at first he's like, I'm not going to work for Masaru because we have a strict code of conduct. And like, I was hired by this group, so I'm not going to change my allegiance. But Masaru has him read the book that he found where Masaru's dad admits that they were using like Masaru and the Kuroga as lab rats to make stronger puppets and want like the Kuroga to kill each other off now that they don't need them anymore. And like Asahi, Asihara is like, well, maybe we can't change our mind then. <laughs> yeah. But personally, I felt like they probably should at least know the first part since it's kind of obvious. Like that they're yeah. using. Like, I'm like, well, duh. But, but like the second part, I guess, could change things. But I'm kind of like, it's not that far of a stretch either. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, meanwhile, uh, Shiragane and Narumi are trying to find Masaru. And the uncle's puppeteer guy named, like, Yamanaka finds them first. And Masaru, like, goes to the uncle, hoping to stop, like, all the fighting between the Kuroga clan. Only to find that the uncle is like, ha I have Shiragani and Narumi hostage. And he's like, has them on a TV screen. And he's like, you know what you have to do, Masaru. And he, like, wants <laughs> him to let him be adopted so that he can get Masaru's money, basically. Yeah. Um, and Masaru kind of reverts back to being, like, the meek boy version of himself at this point. And, like, all that determination is gone. And he's like, okay, just don't hurt them. Mm. But then Asihana <laughs> points out, well, but he does. And then Asihana <laughs> points out, like, well, but, like, the uncle's never going to let them go because they've seen all this shit. And right. you're just being tricked. And, like, then the uncle just is like, yeah, that's true. I'm just going to kill them. And I'm like, why would you say that? What? It's like, I'm thinking of making them jump off the balcony, you know? I know. He just, like, says it so casually. Like, yeah, I was just fucking with you. I'm going to kill them anyway. I'm like, why would you even open your mouth? Shut your damn face, <laughs> you idiot. Like, be, be a decent villain. I don't know. That was dumb. So Masaru gets pissed and is like, oh, and attacks the uncle. And he, like, fucks up his leg, like, hardcore. And, like, it bends the wrong way. And I'm like, yeah, Masaru, get him. Like, get in there. And yeah, you're starting to get the sense that, because, like, when they when he does that, it's a move that he saw from Narumi. And mm-hmm. you're starting to get the sense that, like, Masaru can, like, copy stuff that he sees really well. Like, he's pretty good at picking things up that he sees. Yeah, because he did the, uh, he picked up the uh, puppet puppeteering from uh, Shiragane, mm-hmm. like, very quickly. I mean, but it's kind <laughs> of oh, bullshit how fast he picks things up. You have to admit. Like, I've swallowed, Maybe? like, a lot mm-hmm. of, I've swallowed a lot of shit from Shonen before that, like, is not possible. So I'll let it slide, but, like, we all know it's bullshit, right? It's bullshit, but he has shown in <laughs> protagonist powers, so right. it's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But by the way, at this point, like, Shiragane's outfit is just so, like, artfully torn. Like, so strategic. <laughs> like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that's dumb. Um, <laughs> Shiragane talks about, like, she's, she's in that cage with Narumi while this is all going down. And she's like, I used to be locked up as a child. 
like just like this, while someone outside the cell worked on a puppet. And I have a terrible phobia. Ooh. And Narmi's <laughs> like, I'll protect you from your terrible phobia and like grabs her. And he's like, I'm here for you. And like tells her to smile. And Narmi's like, oh, Masaru's grandfather did the same thing long ago. And it was all dumb and I love predictable. That. I did like that line where she was like, uh, like his words to me as like a young girl. And this, this guy is named, um, I think Shoji Saiga, like hit, like his words to her, like warmed her up. But like Narumi's arm is even warmer than that. It was very cute. It was it's very cute. corny as all fuck. Be calm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, anyway, <sighs> I did like that. He basically tells Shiragane to protect Masaru because he thinks that it will be good for Shiragane and it'll make her happy. Mm-hmm. It's not because, like, yes. you've thought this whole time that, like, the reason he told her to, to care, take care of Masaru is, like, for Masaru's sake. But you find out that just like Narumi, Shiragane is taking care of Masaru for her own reasons. Just like Narumi is doing it for himself. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why the show chooses to highlight that. It's an interesting choice, but I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Um... But yeah, so, I don't know. At this point, Masaru is like, we need to get to these to the cell and let sh- these two out. And he's like, Asihana, like, we're going to jump onto this building with your puppet. We're going to make it. And Asihana's like, I don't think we're going to make it. And Masaru's like, shut up, <laughs> we're going to do it. And, like, they get halfway there. He's like, I calculated there. it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, you didn't, you dumbass. Anyway... But, like, <laughs> you know he did I don't know. He's a kid. But, so they get almost <laughs> there, and then they almost are going to make it, and Masaru helps him. And it and it's, like, surprising. Yeah. But, like, you know, shonen powers, whatever. Um, yeah, he takes control of the puppet's, like, neck and moves it so that, like, propels them up again. Yeah. And Ashihana's like, how'd you do that? And he's like, oh, I figured it out. Like, I saw you do it. And so I know now how to do it. Yeah, but then once they make the joke, Asihana is like, oh, I'm so fucked up from this fall. And then, like, faints or something. And I'm like, what? He doesn't even look fucked up at all. Like, <laughs> what is this? I don't know. It was dumb. Um, but, you know, Masaru is still cool. And so he's like, gets there. And Yamanaka is like, I'm a cut your arm off you little boy and shirigane is like no and like protects him and then narumi mm-hmm. protects both of them and his arm is so strong it like shatters the puppet that yamanaka that was a power has. move like <laughs> flexes his forearm <laughs> yeah i was like damn son <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Yam- yamanaka comments that narumi's powers are enhanced with spiritual force and like narumi says it's k- kui gong which is interesting mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, Narumi just whoops like a bunch of these puppet dudes. He's like, I got this. But eventually he does get tied up. Um, Shiragane gets out Arlequin and she's like, I'm going to do this too. But she's injured and so she can't do it. Narumi basically tells Masaru to run because he's like, well, we're fucked now. But then Masaru doesn't run and he takes over Arlequin instead. And even if he's not great with it, he does manage to like kill the opposing puppet which is impressive he knows at least Um, one move and that's that spinning move 
Les yeah. 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 So he does. He does something. But then a bomb goes off. Which? When was there a bomb? Like what? I, I did not yeah, they, realize yeah, that. In last episode, they were shown setting up the bombs. Yeah, they were oh. setting up like timed bombs. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know. So yeah. I was like, okay, now there's a bomb. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was pissed off a little. Um, and then Shiragate is injured in the like explosion slash collapse. Um, and Asihana sets up kind of like this rope to get them all out of the burning building. But Zip while line. he's setting everything up, <laughs> yeah, while he's setting that all up, like Masuru kind of falls to the floor and Narumi's like, I'm gonna get you! But then he starts to have one of his dumbass attacks, which are it's really a weird choice. <laughs> that he it has is a weird thing. Random thing, I don't know. So Shiragane desperately tries to laugh, but like can't. And Narumi's like, it's okay. It's fine. Shiragane, it's funny that you're apologizing that you can't laugh. And then like pushes her to safety. And then goes and gets Masaru and comments that like, I should have been a clown like my grandfather. So I could have made kids <laughs> smile. But I met you and that's cool. Um, I did like the quote at the very end where he tells Masaru that like, if you're ever lost to think with your heart and decide what to do, because that's kind of a good thing to, to you know, take with but you. I, but when he said that, I was like, this guy's about to die. Oh, well, it was so <laughs> obvious. Like, I mean, come on. There were so many like yeah. clue flags. Like they didn't even try to hide it from you. Masaru wakes mm-hmm. up with only Narumi's arm, but that's just weird and fucking dumb. It makes no sense. You know yeah, this. Yeah, they don't. They don't understand how fire works. Apparently. Yeah. No. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, really? fire just incinerates his whole goddamn body, except this one arm, which is perfectly fine and is like just there. That's dumb. Well, Y'all know also, that's dumb. <laughs> right. And just to be clear, in like all movie fires, there's the magic where smoke inhalation doesn't kill you. Exactly. I but was like, how did Monster not no- die of smoke inhalation? Yeah, that's like the number. And everybody who dies in the fire almost always dies from smoke inhalation. It's not the fire itself. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, like Monster was definitely dead. <laughs> also, I play the card of no body, no death. This dude is not yeah. dead. Yeah. Yeah, and I posted this pick in here, which makes you really think because he basically has uh, what, what was it called? Eloquent was the puppet's name. Arlequin. Oh, Ar- yeah. Arlequin. Arlequin. Yeah. It's Narumi, but with Arlequin's left arm, which was his missing arm. So you're just like, all right, are they going? I I I don't know where this can go, but like on a sick note, I'm like, are they going to make his arm Arlequin's new arm? No, <laughs> I mean maybe. maybe. <laughs> But, like, let's think about it. Like, if his arm's there, if he had died, his body would be there, right? Like, it might be ash, but it would you would see some sign of it. Yeah, he's not like, dead. So he's not dead. Somebody cut his arm off, like, and got him out of there, I guess? But I don't then, know. But then, We're like, find out. sitting there? Or is he just having, like, some crazy fever dream at this point? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm dying to see the next episode. But I was laughing because, like... All of the cinematography of that scene, like, especially right as he's dying and his face goes to, like, white and pencil-drawn sketches, is so Gurren Lagann and it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, that is exactly what it looks like when Kamina dies in, like, in that episode of Gurren Lagann. And it's just exactly the same. And I was like, oh, I don't know if 
I want Narumi to die in this series, but like I don't think he's dead. Like he's it's just too dead. ridiculous. He's not dead. I'm telling y'all, he's not dead. He's coming back. No body, <laughs> oh. no death. That's the way it works. Very few few shows have the actual balls that Gurren Lagann did to do something like that. And then not only that, but make it work for the rest of the show. Like, I would have been interested if they did that here. But oh. also, this manga was written before Gurren Lagann. So oh. I doubt it did this. Oh, so. really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this manga was written in the, the late 90s. Oh, well, to, if that's the in the manga, 2000s. you can't fault it. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. So if this is in the manga, like, well, what I can fault is that I think they did, like, very clearly copy like Gurren Lagann's like cinematography in this moment but I don't mind that because it's like one of the hypest moments in all of anime so like if you're gonna steal steal from the best that's what I say so, oh my god <laughs> yeah so episode episode five's out can I read the first dis- sentence in this description no sure, you can't you know like- what Leo you already <laughs> fucked up the beginning of this episode last time <laughs> you're not doing it again shut your mouth <laughs> wow wow so aggressive (laughs) guys calm down we're nice podcast hosts stay in your lane leo stay in your lane i didn't mess it up on the podcast you did you mentioned it during the last synopsis what i meant what i mentioned you mentioned that um they had like a code and that they weren't supposed to switch sides but then they decided to based on the book yeah, that was in the in the end of the last episode. No, it and was it was at the beginning first of this episode, episode. Was like a small recap. Oh no, it was in the yeah no, it was in the last episode cap. And the, I don't cap, think it, it was, was like recapped. I, I don't I'm know. Pretty sure it was. I, I'm I gonna know. argue. Whatever. I'm just saying. I don't think it was because I was like <laughs> no, lost because all I had actually watched the episode I was supposed to watch and you had watched ahead. So I'm pretty sure I'm right. Just say it. No, I almost stopped you at the beginning of this episode and been like, you can skip your first paragraph because that's it's just a recap of no, the last episode. No, I'm telling you, the last episode ended with him landing. <laughs> it didn't explain the goddamn book thing yet. That was this episode. I'm telling you, they were on the roof when Shio and Sato. No. <laughs> I will not concede. You can go back. I'm telling you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think that's as good a note as Eddie to end things on for this episode. <laughs> oh my god. Is it me? Because I'm, yes, I'm looking at you. episode three right now and I want to see what happens. <laughs> no! Just read your goddamn line, Leo. <laughs> you don't Go. want to be wrong. I got it. Okay, fine. Thanks for listening. And subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcaster videos. You can also Run find iTunes <laughs> review telling us who's right. <laughs> you can also find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and follow us on Twitter at Nerdum and Other for updates as well. With that, we'll see everybody next time. <laughs> Bye. See you later.